0: On our podcasts, we'll share our rich 35 years of experience in designing strategies, share clients' experiences, and introduce resources that have positively impacted our clients. We trust that you will enjoy our direct, transparent, and realistic approach to positively impacting the quality of you and your family's lives. Now, on to the show.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Opus Wealth Style Podcast. My name is Ivan Watanabe and I'm here again with two of my great partners, Russ and Evan. What's going on, fellas? How are you? Doing great. It's been a while. I know, right? Um, So again, we're excited to have a conversation with you, Russ, just to really gauge your insight and, and the wealth and knowledge that you are to just talk about investments right but private equity investments or investments outside of a traditional sort of brokerage account or um, our normal sort of scope of, of the way we see investing really just to gain your insights as to how you've made decisions for yourself and your family over the years we'd love your take on how you make those assessments as you include them in your portfolio
2: sure in other words how, how do you how do you evaluate something that you're not really an expert in
1: yeah That's a good question. You know,
3: I I think that we all have a relationship with money that's a bit different. And mine always was, there was some number that I had in my head that I said, wow, if I could get to that number, I know that, and as an entrepreneur with, you know, income that can vary, uh, I wanted to make sure that I would be able to live a A really good quality of life, you know, on a go forward basis. So I probably was very, very driven and very conservative to kind of save along the way in more traditional vehicles uh, until I got to that number. And I also think that a lot of this conversation around how do you evaluate stems from as a person who got into business and you have older people or clients around you, you learn a lot from them, mm-hmm. right? Because we're <laughs> advising them and you say, wow, like, how did you make that decision? Like, what was going through your head? And if someone's kind of a gambler mentality, you know, they take shots and, you know, probably doesn't work as often as, you know, it does work. And you you learn a lot about what you don't want to do or how mm-hmm. not to do it. So, You know, I had this kind of in my mind, this core, I had a client one time and he was a wealth, he was a doctor, very successful. He said, my whole life, all I wanted to do is that if I could get $10 million in muni bonds at 8%, I'm done, (laughs) you know, and I was smart about it. You know, that was, you're talking a long time ago, right? But that, that was his bogey. And, you know, we all have our own bogey. So I stayed in, in my lane, trying to just increase my revenue every year, save as much as possible into core vehicles. And as you get a little older, then these, these non-traditional you know, platforms become available to you and you have to figure out and try to assess uh, whether they fit or not.
1: So basically what you're saying is you sort of stuck to your core competencies, your core tendencies, your things that were comfortable that you knew a lot about got to a certain place and then started inviting that additional opportunity to risk things that may be outside of your comfort zone into your portfolio. Is that is that am I hearing that right?
3: Yeah, that's right. I mean if I had a subset of a hundred clients and 70% of them kind of follow that, I knew that they would be able to weather any storm because they were basically moving along in that direction. The other 30 could be really wealthy and then really poor. Mm -hmm. And they made decisions that seemed to be more like a crapshoot. And I also felt a real sense of responsibility to my family to say, like, I just can't take I don't want to jeopardize our future by going into something that, quote, unquote, could provide me with a greater rate of return. I think the other part of it is that how much do I want to complicate my life? Mm -hmm. You know, there are people that will say. I'm in all these real estate deals, and if they're really good at it, they're very successful, but that comes with a very, very high degree of complication and management and things of that nature. So I shied away from the majority of those until my kids really were just in college or halfway through college. And by the nature of our business and being around people who become more successful because we work with them, there are deals that will be put in front of you and you have a good question. How do you assess them? The best thing you can do is speak to people who have been in them in the past mm-hmm. or people who are experts and say, mm-hmm. what do you think about this? Or this came my way. I'm not sure. Should I do it? Should I not do it? What kind of return will I get? What are the tax implications? But if I really didn't know anything about it, I never
2: did it. Mm-hmm how much and, of it was was your uh, of the ones that you did invested in, of the non non public investments that you did invest in was any part of it you making bets on like the macro economy of what you think the next 5 or you know 2 or 5 years looks like or was it just more so based off of your you know yeah you had some extra money and seemed like smart people
3: yeah it was never the latter mm-hmm. um it was always uh the former in the sense of what do I know about this business? What don't I know about this business? Who else do I know has been successful in it? Does and you know, what's my gut tell me, right? I do a big gut check on it. And I, I saw when I first came into the business, some associates that had made a lot of money and they went into the silliest things ever and they didn't work. And then they would kind of joke about it. And I asked them, well, why, how do you joke about that? You just lost the money. And it was a very very interesting lesson is i never go into something like that expecting i'm gonna get any money out of it so mm-hmm. i'm i'm expecting i could lose it and i think if you go in with that mentality it pull, takes the bar down mm-hmm. of how much you're going to put at risk and if you it passes all the other tests then you know you say okay i can afford to lose this money and it's not going to change my trajectory or my goals or paying for kids college and things of that nature. Right.
1: Cause you just, just, you just mentioned, you know, sort of waiting until the kids were out of college or halfway through college. Right. At that point, the stakes are lower, right? When well, your kids are little and they've got their whole lives that you, you know, you have to pay for, to, to raise them. The stakes are super high for the family. Right. But once they're at that stage, the stakes are lower. Now you feel like you can take more risk. And, and that's, that's what I see. I I feel like I'm hearing from you.
3: Yeah. And you're going to look, your world's going to get smaller as you get older and you're going to gravitate to a, a, a bunch of core people that are like you that have, you know, or people have resources, excess resources to invest. And you start to collaborate and you start thinking about it and talking about it. And all of a sudden, it's just not as ominous because someone may say, hey, I want to go into a real estate deal and I'm in the real estate business and, uh, you know, it, it is going to be a three timer going in and here's the strategy and you know they've been super successful at doing it and it's kind of a friends and family deal and you say okay i'm gonna put x amount of dollars into it you have much more view of what it will be and Mm -hmm. back to your question evan it does have to it has to sync up with the macroeconomics Mm -hmm. of what's going on in the world
4: Mm -hmm. like
3: because i have a healthcare consulting practice i knew to buy United Healthcare and Oxford 15 years ago. And people say, well, how did you know? I said, well, every day I'm dealing with every company that needs to have healthcare, number one. And number two, believe it or not, it may seem silly. I knew to buy them when they ran out of applications. They had no applications. You couldn't get an application. They said, we're just, we have to print them. We don't have enough. It's going to be two weeks from now. And I'm like, wow, that demand is way greater than my world.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: And That that stock has done tremendously. That wasn't private equity, but you know, Mm -hmm. those are the things like what's going on, you know, in the world. You have to you have to do your homework.
2: Warren Buffett, I've heard him talk about one of the I guess first rules of investing is or second rule whatever is don't lose money. And so, you know, I guess uh, do you think about it as balancing? You know, I guess it depends on where you are and what stage you are in life and how much risk you're willing to take on, but Us getting diversification and all these different private investments versus picking and choosing very selectively, just a a handful, like you kind of want both, you know what I mean?
3: You you do, but honestly, picking and choosing or, you know, or, or being in those investments with the mentality, I'm not going to lose money is Mm -hmm. the best thing I can tell you, you know, when you have these flyers, they often don't work. Mm-hmm. And you look back and go, oh, God, how come I didn't see that? But I never put a lot of money at risk in it. I've I've come out ahead on those deals overall, because the ones that saved me were the real great core ones, like a real estate play, you know, not a technology play uh, that, you know, there was so much outside of my control, so much I didn't know about it, mm-hmm. but I got caught up in the moment of going, well, I've got to, got to put $25,000 mm-hmm. $25, into that thing and The ROI has been terrible, but it's okay because I made money over here. So I think it's balanced. You have to kind of look and say, well, how much, how much of my overall portfolio am I willing to put into this space and of that space, how much of it am I willing to put into something that I really don't know much about? And honestly, you should never put money into something that you don't know much about. You (laughs) should find, you should talk to as many people as you can about it and what impacts. And again, that world gets smaller some very smart people and you might have three or four really close friends that you can bounce something off, you'll know at the end of those conversations, whether you should do it or not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Part of it, again, it just goes to expectation, right? How, what do I actually think this is going to do? And am I comfortable with that particular rate of return? You know, is it going to explode? Is it going to, you know, go to zero and what's the impact if it does either of those things, right? And mo- most importantly, if it goes to zero, how does that impact me and my family and what the plans are that, that we have going forward? One, yeah. of, one of and, the
2: things I think a lot about it with private investments is the it's just a totally different it's a much longer time Horizon time frame right than, than typical public investments and and much less liquidity as a general rule of thumb right Is that fair assessment yeah
3: there's no question if they if they think they're going to get out in three years you should assume it's six yeah and, and it could be longer but you know again you, you know what you know I my world on the healthcare side is private Equity I mean I I work with private equity firms. I see their portfolios. I have, I see conversations of, "Hey, we we sold this and we did really well," or "we thought it was going to be 3 years, but we're now in year 6," or you know, so you 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 there are people that you create relationships with and you can say, "Hey, I was just I want to bounce something off of you in general." You get a you get a perspective that you can never get outside of that. So, I'm I've seen what private equity has done to the economy, how it's created tremendous expansion jobs things of that nature and it being very profitable but even in any portfolio or 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 gp will tell you not every one of their companies is profitable yeah. you know there are some that they thought was going to do this and then all of a sudden something changed so you have to diversify within that space but i, I would just tell you if someone comes and says oh you have to do it it's got to be funded by next tuesday mm-hmm. Unless you know that thing inside and out, don't even don't get caught up in the moment of a five-time, ten-time, twenty-timer. You've got to really understand what's going on in the world, what the demand is for that. You know who's running it. Really, that's really important. Who's yeah. running this? Yeah. What, what are they like?
4: Mm-hmm. Right.
3: Uh, do your homework, and then if you feel comfortable, you know, go. And who else has been in it? I'd like to speak to four or five other people who've been in your other deals.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: it tells you so much more than the subscription agreement that they're going to send
1: you. Yeah. I think that management aspect of it is, is huge. I mean, you and I have looked at opportunities and saying, Hey, you know, this idea is great, but the people running it are, you know, the execution of this is not going to work out. Right. Um, Or we didn't have a ton of faith in the people that were executing the deal. So, you know, ultimately participating didn't make a lot of sense, but I think that is absolutely part of, part of the, the, the evaluation.
3: It's a, it's a big part because, they how they run their life and how they what they need as far as income is concerned is going to absolutely impact how that company you know w- where the end game is right because they 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 can impact it mm-hmm. right? if someone's coming and raising money um, and they've got a high flying lifestyle you got to be really careful they have to certainly operate within the limits of the law but somewhere along the line that is going to spill over into judgment. And you definitely want to be very careful with that.
1: Over, over the years, you know, is there one particular investment that either, you know, was a big mistake or one that either you missed out on an opportunity or you lost, a, you know, in an opportunity? Is there one in particular that sort of you can think of or, or that sort of uh, that, that you've learned from?
3: Well, there were two small ones that went completely south that I didn't see coming. You know, I said, oh, no and then the ones that won i you know 10 of my friends were in and had been in for 10 years and they did great and then i'd play golf with the guy who was running it and i'd play a couple of times i really wanted to get to know you know who that person was because they were influencing things and as soon as i got comfortable with it you know i went never never lost any money and made a fair amount of money great return within a reasonable almost like they said it was going to be this and it was this. So you only need to kind of get burned once and doesn't matter if it's five thousand dollars, you know, you just sit there and go, Yeah, didn't really went into that one a little blind, or I thought I knew what the outcome was gonna be. Yeah.
1: So I, I think, you know, basically what you what you're saying is getting comfortable with and, and spending the time and the energy to to get familiar with the underlying investment is has proved out to be, you know, valuable for you.
4: Yeah.
3: I say no way more than I say yes and I'm completely as you get older you say more nos because you get a point where you say well you know how many years do I want to keep grinding to kind of replace that if it goes the wrong way but it's all about what's the history who are the people running it what's their track record why are they in it how much of their own money do they have in it big deal right and that that's that diligence is really really important but I don't think I went into any of those alternative investments until I was probably 50 years old and Mm -hmm. I started in the business when I was 22.
2: Mm -hmm. Interesting. So of the, of the ones that you've said no to, maybe more recently, what, what are the things that like, what are the red flags that you said that have you say no?
3: I said no, because I really didn't understand the space. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get to the people who were really running it to understand who they were. Uh, and I, I knew that it was a little bit of a, it was the uh, industry of choice at the moment, which, you know, may not have had the level of grounded into the economy, you really couldn't you really couldn't measure it. Mm-hmm. So that and even look, even in healthcare, there's so many new advancements coming out and people coming out You say, Oh, we have a blood analyzer, I have this, I have that. It means nothing. Like, what, what does that mean? How does it translate into profitability? Uh, where's it going? What's your marketing strategy? I learned so much from the guys and gals that run the deal teams in these private equity, because they're the ones who have to go to the GP and say, we think this is a good deal. Mm-hmm. And they go, why? And they tell them, and I pick their brain, a lot of them are my friends, I really pick their brain and say, what do you think about this? And I'm amazed at what I didn't think about that mm-hmm. they do every day.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And then they they kind of go back and say. Here, here's the deal, and I, that's why I say I say no. If if I get pitched ten deals in a year, I could go into none or one. Rarely do I ever go into two. And right now, I might have three that are in my world that I went in at a reasonable level, and two of the three are doing really well. One is we don't know.
1: Got it. Well, Russ, again, man, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I'm sure it's been valuable for the audience as well. For you, the listening audience, thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Make sure to click subscribe below uh, to be notified when we have further podcast episodes. Appreciate you guys.
2: Thanks, Russ. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wealth Style Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available this
5: podcast is intended for general public use and for informational purposes only by providing this content park avenue securities llc and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide investment advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity yvonne wantanabe evan wool and russell carpentieri are registered representatives and financial advisors of park avenue securities llc pas Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Yvonne's California Insurance License Number 0H44206. Evan's California Insurance License Number 0H04936. Russell's California Insurance License Number 0C72511. Compliance approval 2023-155046 expires May of 2025.